Welcome to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help busy, high-achieving women overcome the financial stresses that can impact your health, wealth, and happiness. Join Erica as she explores ways you can create a healthy balance of financial wellness and replace limiting beliefs and bad habits to harmonize your journey toward total emotional and financial wellness. Let's get started. How do you relate to money? How does it make you feel? These are just some of the questions Erica Cummings tackles in this part one of a two-part series about money mindset. I'm Patrice Sakora. Erica, tell me about this concept. What is a money mindset? Hi, Patrice. How are you? Let's start there. Doing well. Doing Enjoying well. this nice winter. We're having some snow today, it's so cold. it's nice it's winter. Cold. It is no. cold. It's very cold. The kids are home today on a snow day. Too. It is winter. Yes. yes. When we talk about money mindset, it really is a description of your relationship with money. And it, it is different than what we normally think of. Too much advice focuses on how to get more or give less of money. It misses the whole point when we don't think about what our relationship is. A lot of our industry treats money as the end goal itself, when actually it's just one more piece of your whole life. So like any other element of your life, how money makes you feel, how you interact with it, and how you see it fitting into your life are as important as how much you have of it. So that's what we tend to call this relationship, kind of your money mindset. So it's how you feel, the emotions, the experiences you've had surrounding money. And it is really central to how money works in your life. Is this something new? I really have to admit, I haven't heard of it. It's not new. It's just definitely something that it's always existed. So we've all had these patterns, this history in our life that creates how we envision wealth, how we uh, feel about money, how we approach money management. But in terms of identifying it and really focusing on how to either kind of embrace the ones that the money mindsets that are helpful, and then also try to change the ones that are limiting you, that concept is relatively new. Really in the beginning, money mindset was more about how do we attract? So that notion of the power of positive thinking or the law of attraction. Now the concept is a lot broader. And I've found that money mindset is really an important factor in how, what role money plays in your entire life. It impacts and affects your job choices, the personal relationships that you have. So how you and your spouse may think about money and approach money how you're treated by the people around you, your comfort, your happiness, your ability to feel generous or your ability to be more conservative. And a healthy money mindset is a baseline for what we would consider to be a healthy, rich life. And rich doesn't necessarily mean lots and lots of money. Rich means that you're present and you feel secure in the financial decisions that you're making. So in the past, we might've thought of money mindset in kind of flat terms. If you think rich, you'll get rich. If you put out those positive vibes, you'll have more money where rich really just means having lots of it. I really think of it more holistically, not as one more tactic to grow your net worth, your balance sheet, but as a sum of your relationship with work and money. And when you think about your money mindset, you want to really consider the habits that you've had around money, the stories that you tell yourself about money, and how you feel when you hear the words wealth and worth, and how you feel when you hear the words poverty. And I've heard many times the, the bag lady syndrome. So as women, 
we get really nervous that no matter how much money we have, we could end up with nothing. And that often comes from a set of circumstances or experiences or belief systems that have been put in place from when you were a child up until now. And so money mindset is really about discovering what these are, giving them actual names and descriptions and, and really doing the work emotionally in order to figure out how it's affecting you now. You say there are basically two types. Yeah. So on the on a kind of a 10,000 foot view for simplicity, we tend to describe money mindset as seeing the world through either abundance or scarcity. So an abundance mindset means you have a, the belief that there's always going to be enough. You might have an abundance mindset about a lot of things in life, not just money. You may never worry about food. You may never worry about the size of your house or the space you have. Although during COVID, I think a lot of us felt like our <laughs> space was a little limited, but your job resources, you, those people that have gone through life and they say, I'm going to change my job. I always will find another job. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. They have that abundance mindset that there'll always be something. And with abundance, it's really about what you're after. So wealth seekers tend to think of abundance in terms of the ability to attract as much money as you need. You don't have to worry about having or earning enough because in your mind, your mindset is that there will always be enough. There'll be a way to get more if you need it. On the flip side, a minimalist might think of abundance instead as feeling satisfied with whatever you have. They're not worried, they're not stressed, but they're not concerned about having a ton more. It's more about loving where you are now. Remember if the song Love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, being grateful for everything and not always longing for more. I think of abundance in a, as a relative term, it's very vague because enough is different to everyone. To right. me, an abundance mindset is the belief and feeling that everything in this moment is enough. And there's always going to be more when you need it. So you can find ways to create more of whatever it is you're looking for. Think if you've heard of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, growth means we can always move forward and find new ways to either create opportunities or to think about a situation. A fixed mindset is this is how it is. I have to work within these confines. It's very similar to abundance. And the second one, which is a scarcity mindset. All right. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So having a scarcity mindset means fearing that there's never enough. And this is more common. It's actually easier to imagine because it's what we've been taught most of our lives. It's generally treated as the opposite of abundance. Instead of seeing plenty all around you, lack thereof, or let's say you're in a work situation, you're constantly thinking about competition or somebody else maybe taking your job or somebody else being able to get the promotion or that raise. We can relate to that more because for like anything else, we tend to remember the negative more so than all those positive wins. So when we think about money in particular, we're trained to believe that we'll never have enough and that there's not enough to go around. And that makes us hoard what we can worry about finding our next dollar and fear losing everything we have. And this is really common with women. So statistically speaking, women do hoard cash, meaning one of the biggest 
setbacks that women have in terms of investments and in terms of gaining wealth is they're very conservative. They're scared to lose what they have. And so therefore they don't necessarily participate in the market as much as their male counterparts. And so they don't see that substantial wealth that can be created in the stock market because it's, I have this dollar, it might be taken away. So I better put it somewhere where I don't have to worry about losing it. And that is really the definition of scarcity. It could push you to overwork. It could push you to constantly be worried about money, no matter how much you have. It could also convince you that being wealthy or getting wealthy just isn't worth the work. And it's often tied to these limiting beliefs about your worthiness, your ability, or kind of your position in life. And it keeps you from taking action to change whatever situation that you're in, that financial situation that you're in, that is this circle where you're feeling like you can't make more or have more. So therefore you say, it's not worth it for me to work. I'll be just, I'll just deal with where I am now. Can this change? You mentioned we're, we're trained almost like this, but can this change? Yes, definitely. It, it's what I consider to be a spectrum or it's dynamic. So like any mindset, anything you feel about yourself, any way you identify yourself, the relationships you have, your money mindset exists on a broad and varied spectrum and it's always shifting. So that means no label perfectly describes your relationship with money. And it also means you should probably ignore anyone who tries to rank that money mindset, that relationship you have with money as either good or bad. Your money mindset is what it is. It has been shaped, and we'll go through this in a, in a little bit. It has been shaped by years and years of experiences and belief systems. So saying that it's good or bad, or saying that you should have something different, just blanket. It's more about recognizing where you are now and not shaming yourself or contorting yourself into something that someone else tells you is right. So why is this important now? It's really important because how you feel about money dictates how you behave around it, even and especially if you don't realize it. So when we talk about some of these exercises to discover your money mindset and, and maybe perhaps change certain feelings that you have, it can truly affect everything that you do every day of your life. If you have really negative thoughts about money or you've had negative experiences with money, it can make you hold on to jobs where it's not serving you. You might be being treated poorly. Think of the relationships that we've seen over years with other people in our lives where they've stayed in bad marriages or they've allowed themselves to be treated a certain way because they have that scarcity belief. And in my career, I've worked with hundreds of women and there is often a common theme of being aware that they either need to change their thoughts around money and so much so aware that it's to the detriment of their health and possibly their own security, but they're almost frozen in place. So we can have a dialogue where they say, I know I need to move past these thoughts of, I can't do this. I don't know where to begin. I just never have been able to do this. There's no amount of budgeting tips or financial education that I can provide for someone to fix that. We really need to take a step back and figure out where these feelings even came from and begin to retrain your brain to say, okay, these exist. There's a reason why they're there, but this may not be serving me. So it's really going to therapy. 
where we take deep dives into our childhood or some of the experiences we've had when we go to therapy with our spouses, oftentimes we find that what's been going on is the exact opposite of what we think. And it's really about facing and understanding your money mindset. And it's a vital step in owning and changing your money behaviors going forward. How can you change? It sounds to me like this is something you're saying it's a deep dive. You really have to think it through. Where do you start? It is a deep dive and it can be uncomfortable. This is very similar to, like I said, therapy or, or any other major part of our emotional well-being that we're, we're trying to identify and perhaps change. So the first thing we have to do, like any deep dive, you have to know where you're starting from. So for those women listening right now, obviously you might want to set some time aside for this, maybe not at this very moment, but I would suggest grabbing a journal or a notebook or even a trusted friend or a family member that you can have a dialogue with and think through some of the questions that we're about to go over to identify the messages that you've heard, experience you've had, and relationships that you've developed around work and money. And as I said, this part of the process might be uncomfortable. It's digging into places and parts of yourself that you may not have explored before. And it's almost certain to conjure up some difficult memories, possibly some difficult feelings, but it also may reveal some really great ones. So we want to take care to recognize when you're getting into a, a point where it's uncomfortable and almost to the point where you really don't want to do it and then take a break. But these questions that I'm going to go over really get to the root of how we feel about money, how we feel about our worth, how we feel about our ability to add value to the world around us and where they came from. All right, start the questions. Okay, so the first thing is the messages that we've gotten about money. So if you think about your whole life, I'm 47. So certainly throughout my life, I've gotten tons and tons of messages about money. So think about when you were a child, how did the adults around you talk about money when you were growing up? So obviously you have experiences when you were a child where you could say, I remember when my parents lost their job, or in my case, my parents got divorced. When my parents got divorced, money in our household took a major shift. So we ended up going from having a very comfortable life to almost starting over. And I have vivid memories of the differences between the two. And then what kind of lessons about money did your parents or adults teach you? Did you actually have discussions about it? I think we're far more proactive about that now. I think money was a it was for sure a very taboo subject when I was younger and even more so with older generations. So you may not have had a whole lot of lessons. And then for the women listening, did it differ based upon your gender? So did your parents talk to your brothers maybe about money differently than they talked to you or your sisters? Because that's another thing is, and I think this again, changes with generations, but if you were raised where dad took care of everything in the household and as far as the financial part and mom wasn't involved as much, was that message conveyed to you as a woman as well? And then what did your family, friends, and colleagues think and say about their financial situation? So did you hear other people had, did you, you know, hear, oh, has a lot of money or doesn't have a lot of money? Did you hear just discussions about wealth in general. What did they, what do the people around you think about people with lots of money? Was it considered 
greedy? Was it considered flashy? Was it considered something to aspire to and to achieve? If you think about just all of those messages alone, that can create a significant amount of kind of mindset going Mm -hmm. forward in terms of how you look at it. So if you were a little girl who wasn't really taught about money at all, and no one talked about it around you, and it was looked at as something we don't talk about ever, and therefore we don't discuss how to get more of it or work harder for it, then that right there can create a foundation for you perhaps to have limiting feelings. The next thing is the experiences that you have with money. So how do your identities affect your career, your jobs, your relationship with money? I know for me, I started out in the financial industry 20 years ago. It was very different than it is now. I was one of the rare women in a financial advisor role. Fortunately, not much has changed over the last 20 years, but we're certainly trying to have a far better female representation as advisors. But it was definitely difficult for me to not have mentors or to not have the quote, you can't be what you can't see mm-hmm. to look around and not see people that, that looked like me or were in the same situation as me raising children and being a wife and trying to manage work-life balance. So that definitely can help to shape how I felt about money because of what I was experiencing. And then this is a big one. Did you have any serious or traumatizing experiences as a child, not just financial, that might have a lasting impact on your finances. This is big. If you grew up in a household where somebody lost their job or became disabled, or you had a a massive traumatizing, any type of traumatizing experience that may affect how you look at having enough. In my case, like I said, my parents got divorced. That was a pretty serious event in our life that I can look back and say something fundamentally shifted. And I definitely have certain money mindsets that were created from that event. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. The other thing is how did your family approach money and how did it affect you and how you approach money as you became an adult? Did you follow these same habits or did you swing to the opposite direction? If you grew up where your family was extremely budget conscious and where they thought money being spent was very conservative and they didn't think that we should have lavish things, some people follow those same habits and then some people go the opposite. So they say, we never had a lavish vacation. I'm going to have lots of lavish vacations or we weren't allowed to buy new things. I'm going to buy lots of new things. So like anything else in life, how your childhood went can sometimes either have it be mimicked or it can be you're running for the hills in the other direction. And then think about your own experiences now when you spend, what are your main triggers? So when you're shopping online and you press send now, is it because you're stressed? Is it because you saw somebody else doing or, or experiencing something or buying something? Do you have an unstoppable urge to, you know, buy something at 2 (laughs) AM? I think a lot of us did during COVID it was retail therapy really take some time to write down these common scenarios. So I think there's times where we end up with these boxes that show up and we're looking at them saying, oh, yeah, yeah. Did I really need that? Did I really need to <laughs> yeah. sign up for that subscription box? Did I really need to make that purchase? 
And when you do it, how do you feel about it? Do you take the time to say, okay, that was a mistake and beat yourself up? Or do you say that was a mistake? I'm not going to do it again. This is obviously something that I need to address. So write down those scenarios when you did spend where maybe you didn't put a whole lot of thought into it and see what those triggers are. We all have buffers. So when we're stressed out, if we're bored, even some of us eat, some of us have a glass of wine, some of us press some of us press by now. So if that's the case, how do you deal with it? And then in line with that, when you make a bad money decision, buying something expensive with a credit card, overspending in your budget categories, or using your emergency savings for non-emergency purchases, what does your self-talk sound like after? Do you really beat yourself up or do you forgive yourself easily and try to figure out how to move forward? And then lastly, if you've tried and failed to stick to a money plan in the past, you've sat down and you've put together a budget and you've made some plans on how to have a more healthy relationship with your finances, what were the factors, either logical or otherwise, that made you throw in the towel? So we've all had weight loss journeys. I don't know of a single person who lost weight one time and then never had a setback ever. So when you have that bad day where you eat a ton of food, what, how do you handle it? What made you throw in the towel if you ended up going backwards again? So when it comes to making a plan to move forward and be more responsible with your finances and you found yourself failing, what made you just say, I'm done? I'm going to go back to where you were. So those are all about your experiences from a child all the way up to adulthood that can um, certainly set your money mindset. All right, Erica, how about a relationship with work and money? not just your family life, but this is work we're talking about, which actually becomes your life. Absolutely. And this is important because this is looking inward on how your gut feelings are. So how does it affect you and how you show up? So first is how do you feel when you talk about money? If somebody brings up, whether it's about your finances or they're talking about their own, what is that instant feeling that comes over you? So sometimes if you're in a difficult situation or you don't have a handle on your finances and you're stressed about it, you might immediately get that kind of dark cloud feeling over you and immediate anxiety, immediate stress. We need to to recognize that's how you feel as soon as the topic of money is brought up. And then how does thinking about money affect your mood? So some people, when they talk about money, they feel like they've been doing a great job. It energizes them. It makes them want to work harder, makes them want to make sure that they're on top of things. But on the flip side, if you're stressed out about it, it could affect your whole mood. It could affect your entire day. It could lead to those buffering activities that we just talked about because it is a stressful topic. And then how do you feel when other people talk about money around you? How do you feel if other people are talking about money and you can't have what they have, or you can't do what they're doing, or maybe they're bragging, or maybe um, feel uncomfortable with the topic at all. And then lastly, where do you sense resistance when you interact with or think about money? So when you're having a discussion about money or you're interacting, you're paying bills, you're looking at statements, you're trying to put a budget together, Where do you sense the resistance? Where does it come up at that point? Is there a particular topic that you really can't push through? Is there a particular thing that kind of comes up in your head? 
you want to look for common threads in your answers to all of these in order to understand your relationship with money. And the reason why I mentioned bringing a friend in or somebody else that you, you can confide in is because it's really hard to be honest with yourself about this and just put it all out there. But by laying this all out, you can develop a picture of how you've internalized all these messages about money, how past experiences have influenced your present decisions, and what kind of emotions about money you've been carrying without even noticing it. And I should think if you're doing the journaling part of it, if you're writing it down instead of just talking to someone, you can put that aside, then go back and read it. And it might give you a better in-depth analysis of, of where you're coming from. Absolutely. I love journaling. I love journaling because in the beginning, you feel uncomfortable, you're starting to write, and then all of a sudden, everything just comes out and there's no judgment. You don't have to think about your whether or not you're writing something that's going to be looked at and reviewed. It's your thoughts. It's on paper. And a lot of times when you write, it becomes the intention. It becomes the thing that you want to focus on, the things you want to fix. So the last thing we're going to talk about is whether or not we need to change it. And this will lead into our next podcast about you know, how do we change things? So in my mind, when we think of money mindset, the annoying thing that I always see is that anytime we bring up money mindset or your relationship with money, it's always about how you should change it. So automatically assuming that there's something wrong that needs to be changed. Maybe when you go through all these exercises, you recognize that you don't want to change some of it or you don't want to change it yet. So maybe your current relationship with money, whether it's scarcity, abundance, or something in between is actually working for you at this point in your life. Maybe you're working exactly as hard as you want. You're thinking about money as often as you want. You're earning what you want and you're spending what you want and you're doing, owning, and giving exactly what you want. So you've gone through all these activities. You've recognized where you are and how you got there. And you're saying, you know what? I'm good. That's again, a wonderful place to be. Exactly. And again, your money mindset isn't right or wrong. So somebody saying to you, you have to change, it doesn't mean you have to change. It's your beliefs, it's your thoughts, and it's your feelings about money. And it's developed to serve a purpose. They might help you to blend in and stay safe right now. Unfortunately, there's a lot of women out there that are in very difficult situations. They are working towards getting themselves out of a difficult situation and that sense of scarcity is what's keeping them moving. It may protect you from failure that you're not equipped to weather yet. It could encourage you to prioritize earning during your most productive and ambitious years. So you may be saying, you know what, now is my time to earn. Maybe you're young and you haven't started your family yet. And you're thinking now is the time for me to work the extra hours so that I can take the time to be with my family later. The problem we have is when we're holding onto a money mindset that no longer serves us. And that's what we discover when we start to identify them. So my advice is I encourage you to get to know your money mindset, regardless of your financial situation, regardless of whatever you think you deserve right now, everybody deserves to know where they're coming from and at least start to identify things. Identifying your mindset will almost certainly help you move a little more smoothly through life, even if you're already crushing all your goals. Why not crush all your goals, write it all down and say, I'm crushing all my goals. It feels kind of nice. And if you take a long, hard look at your relationship with money and realize it's truly not serving you, that's when you can decide to make a change. We're going to end part one of Erica's two-part series right here. So how can listeners reach you, Erica, if they have additional questions? You can always visit us at our website, 
harmonyfinancialwellness.com. You can also email me at erica.cummings at rbc.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. Harmony Financial Wellness is the name of the page, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And follow Erica's podcast, A Strong Woman for Strong Women, to make sure when part two, the next episode, is ready for you. Share with women and men in your life as well. I'm Patrice Sikora. Let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest as of the date of this recording, is subject to change without notice, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investments should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional service provider.